handle the truth. Should we or should we not follow the advice of the galactically stupid? Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe fuck yourself. You're all a bunch of fucking assholes. You know why? You don't have the guts to be what you want to be. You need people like me. You need people like me so you can point your fucking fingers and say, that's the bad guy. Clearly, don't know who you're talking to, so let me clue you in. I am not in danger, Skyler. I am the danger. A guy opens his door and gets shot, and you think that of me? No. I am the one who knocks. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Righteous Prick Podcast. I am your host, OxyContin, and it is 4.44 p.m. on March 12th in the year of our Lord, 2022. No, just kidding, everybody. I'm on OxyCodone. This is your favorite curmudgeon, J.L. Covan. Uh, just doing more knee exercises and stretches and getting the knee back into working shape. Uh, doctor says everything is good. So, but uh, but some serious soreness today and some some sharp knee pains, which I've been told is totally normal for my phase of uh, improvement. So I said, you know what? Let's while we're icing down after a set of exercises, let's take an oxy, let it marinate, and let's do a righteous prick podcast on a a blessed Saturday before we turn the clock forward and get more sunlight. And, uh, you know, we just lose another hour of our lives. That's, that's all that happens is just hours and time are already precious. And the deep state forces us to forward those clocks. And then, uh, just, that's it. We just lost an hour of life. So with that pleasant thought, let's get the podcast started guys, guys. Um, like I said, the knee is improving, um, not maybe I mean it's improving so it's going to be fine I'm hoping this week is the week I begin walking without a cane um and uh I was thinking I was like what would be a funny title regarding the cane I said large uncle cane you know instead of big daddy cane I don't know but we'll see we'll come up with a title but um you know it's it's coming along I'm doing what I need to do except I'm eating terribly um, and with the death of Charles Entman, the, the, uh, head of the Entman's company, uh, who kind of made it a, a huge brand. He didn't start the company, but I think he was very instrumental in making it, uh, the, the giant pillar of supermarket baked goods that it is. And, uh, you know, there's, there's not a lot of people in this world who brought me more joy than, uh, Entman. So, um, I've been doing a little tribute. I got a box of Entenmann's cookies for the first time in, in what has to be over a year. Um, then we plowed through a, a variety pack of donuts and the righteous girlfriend, while I record this in case I get a text that I have to interrupt the show, she's going to take a picture of our supermarket Entenmann's, uh, display. And I will select two more items from that as I, uh, finish up my tribute to Charles Entenmann. Um, but yeah, it may not be good joy, you know, like a, like a drug dealer brings a, a client or a customer joy. It may not be good joy, but I cannot deny uh, the joy. Now, Entenmann's, I am, I think it's safe to say, the premier comic in America, if not the world, in terms of highlighting Entenmann's chocolate chip cookies on my uh, in my comedy on Keep My Enemies Closer, which if you're listening to this and you consider yourself a fan of mine, if you don't own 
keep my enemies closer, then then you're not a fan. Okay, just uh, not afraid of setting rigorous standards for his fan membership. No, I think if you don't own, if you're a fan of an artist and you don't own one of their two pivotal pieces of art, that would be like if I said, hey, Guns N' Roses is my favorite band. What's Appetite for Destruction? Is that a new album they just dropped? You'd be like, you're a fraud. And Keep My Enemies Closer, though not my debut album, it is my appetite for destruction, I think, whereas Thoughts and Prayers, fittingly a double album, is my Use Your Illusion 1 and 2. Now, Half Blackface has no Guns N' Roses parallel because Guns N' Roses uh, didn't peak with their seventh album slash first special. So I'm ch I'm in uncharted territory as far as my favorite band goes, so the analogy has to stop there. Um, but, yeah, Keep My Enemies Closer. Uh, one of the albums is called Garbage Cookies, which sounds like I'm insulting. If you if you don't dig deeper, you may think I'm insulting cookies, uh, Entenmann's Cookies, but I, I specifically talk about my relationship with Entenmann's Cookies because that was a time in my life where I was... Uh, uh, I had... I had ended uh, 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 an important relationship and decided that a good surrogate uh, for a good relationship would be bad relationships, lots of alcohol, and a shit ton of unhealthy food, including the aforementioned Endemans cookies. If I can give you a typical day in 2012 for me, okay, I'm about 300 pounds. Now, I'm still lifting weights, but I'm doing no cardio, and I'm not lifting as much as I should have. Um, but I'm, uh, I'm about two and a half years into a run of digging into my savings, thinking I was going to make it as a comedian. Um, and here's a, here's a typical day. And when I say typical, I don't mean like daily, but I mean this would be a day I would have at, at least once a week in 2012. Wake up. Prayer, like Mark Wahlberg, wake up at 3 a.m., uh, pray um, that I don't have an STD from what I did the night before. Different maybe than Mark Wahlberg's early morning prayer. But I would wake up and uh, I'd say, oh, man, I'm going to get fucking jacked today. But first, I'm going to go to Lenny's, which is now Lenwich. Stupid name change. But uh, I would go and say, you know what? Normally, I like eggs and toast and a nice tea, like a... Like a honest tea, you know, low calorie sort of green tea. But we can do that tomorrow. Uh, what I'm going to actually do is go to Lenny's and have a toasted pumpernickel bagel with butter and a chocolate milk while I read my paper, like a like a man of leisure. Then I'm going to go home. And, uh, you know, let's see, what should I do? Should I write? Should I get to the gym? Well, I don't know that bagel and chocolate milk doesn't really feel like pre workout fuel. So I'm gonna start streaming some well discs, by the way, I'm, I'm lying on myself discs i would watch whatever netflix disc uh, i had and uh you know what you can go to health landline who is that livingston new jersey they're always blowing up my spot with their spam calls god i get it i'm a fucking jersey legend since 2020 like, leave me alone um so what i would uh, then do is maybe watch whatever disc i had i remember I, in one year whatever year it was i think it was 2010 i crushed all seven seasons of the West Wing in like six weeks on discs. So that wasn't stream, you know, that was back in my day, you had to mail discs and wait a day or two before receiving the next disc. You know, we had to work hard for our lazy, gluttonous streaming uh, content watching. These kids today, they have it so easy. They don't have to wait a day before sitting on their ass and eating cookies and watching content. But I would then, um, uh, you know, just uh, watch something, maybe read, maybe play video games. I was very active into video games then. And, uh, you know, maybe send out some emails for some shows. Uh, wa definitely watch some porn. So it was a productive morning. And then lunch would come around. And I'd say, what do I want? Do I want, am I going, am I eating fresh today with Subway? Um, am I going to, I hadn't yet become a, an aficionado of Chopped, which would, which would help start to curb my my worst health impulses because when you add a kale salad in the middle of the day that's a good thing um but what i would usually do is go i'm gonna go to my pub i liked that that i enjoyed being able to go to my neighborhood pub at like 12 30 with just sports center on and eat a burger and fries and a coca-cola and say okay Maybe today's not going to be a workout day because this is definitely sitting weird. So go back, play some video games. Um, 
you know, maybe go for a walk. Uh, and then I would uh, say, you know what I could use right now? Hmm, I could use some cookies. And that's usually when I would go to Entima, uh, to Dwayne Reed, okay? Uh, sounds like a black friend, actually a pharmacy chain. But I would go to Dwayne Reed and purchase either, they had these Italian bakery cookies that they sold, which were fucking great. Either that or a box of Entimans from Food Emporium across the street. Those were the two options. Those were the two big afternoons. And then you go, I'm going to have a couple cookies. Next thing you know, the whole box is gone. And now it's like 4.30. And I might have a show or a spot or something, or not, or I might have a date, um, or I might watch some more porn, and, uh, you know, whatever, just, just typical, typical comedy superstar in waiting behavior, and then here's where, if this doesn't sound like a disgusting, filthy human being enough, this is where it gets bad, because if I had a spot, or I didn't have a spot, you hit eight o'clock, and you're like, mm, all right, I, I'm definitely gonna, that those those that 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 178 grams of sugar I had as a midday snack. Those calories burn up quickly. They don't keep you satiated. I think is the word. Those are those are, um, you know, those calories go. The feeling of being full goes a lot faster. And I go, well, what do I want now? Well, that Five Guys did open up only one avenue and nine blocks from my apartment. So why don't we? Tomorrow you can hit the gym. Tonight, let's go. You're in the middle of this game. You just lost to a boss. Let's go out. Let's go get some Five Guys. So you go to Five Guys. You sit and eat Five Guys. You have a nice double patty, a uh, fries, a cherry Coke, and then and then you you, you waddle home, um, and just go. Yeah, I still got some some good looking chicks in my phone, who who are down to meet up. Who cares if I'm killing myself with with sugar and fat. Who cares? Life is good. I'm a man of leisure right now. Sure, my bank account's gone from five figures to two figures in the last two and a half years living this life of leisure, but things will pick up. I'm not going to have to go work in my mom's real estate office part-time just to pay off credit card bills. That's not going to... Oh, that is going to happen in exactly one year? Okay, well, let's just enjoy 2020, 2012 for the rest of it. And three to four nights a week, I would go and drink till 2 a.m. at my favorite bar, Joshua Tree. Avril, my favorite bartender who left suddenly and without warning, because uh, I think her she got pregnant. Her boyfriend was in Ireland, and uh, if, if, I, if what I heard from the, from the staff there was correct, and it was, uh, it, was, it was the end of the longest relationship I ever had platonic but still a relationship with a woman but that's where i would go on like tuesdays wednesdays fridays and saturdays just till 2 a.m just just you know because when you're soaking up all that that uh, cholesterol and all those carbs your tolerance for alcohol really increases and once again and i've said this and i said this on one of my albums i think i think i made it about someone else not me but the gist of it was like hey if for a man if you're still getting attention from even one woman you're attracted to your incentives to change your behavior are much this sounds like a tony robbins like speech on tiktok um that didn't sound like tony robbins that sounded more like uh, wilson fisk they they're sort of similar though like wilson fisk is like tony robbins on antidepressants um <laughs> but um kingpin for the in daredevil for those of you who aren't versed in uh, the comic book content the way i am uh, and so, yeah, that was my 2012, but the point is it, it also led to the, one of the greatest albums in comedy history and certainly a peak in my career, 2013's Keep My Enemies Closer and Garbage Cookies was largely about my addiction to cookies and the role that Entenmann's played in them. And I never blame Entenmann's. I never do. It's about personal responsibility. I blame the women of color at Food Emporium who kept selling me Entenmann's as they witnessed me go from a poor man's Dwayne Johnson to a hot Ralphie May. <laughs> so I blamed them on the album. I said, you could have, you might, you could have accepted my money and just told me to get fruit once you saw me five night. And Oh man. And if, if sometimes the order was reversed and it would just be, Oh shit. 
I'm in the middle of Call of Duty and it's 11 p.m. Food Emporium's open till midnight. Motherfucker, let me go see if they have any Entenmann's cookies. And boom, now you're eating Entenmann's cookies till 4 a.m. trying to beat uh, Call of Duty. And then you sleep three hours, you wake up, and you do it all over again. So basically, that was my 2012. It was disgusting, as you can uh, probably uh, imagine from that long preamble to open the podcast. But in other words, um, on Monday, March 14th, I will begin a very rigorous, very intense two-month prep for the special. Um, think Rocky montage uh, level prep. But I want to look good. I want to feel good. And I want to I wanna be physically fit enough to, you know, possibly commit homicide if there's another technical error that night, uh, that fateful night of May 14th when we do Half Blackface 2.0. Good time to tell you guys to buy your tickets to Half Bla- Half Blackface 2.0. Uh, ticket link is on my website in the calendar page, as well as tickets to see me in Buffalo, April 26th. Any of my upstate fans or friends with upstate f- friends, fans with upstate friends, tell them to get tickets. Uh, but and I'm trying to fill in fill in other gigs, and I have some a funny, horrible story about uh, uh, my hopefully still upcoming Boston gig. But the point is. Uh, Entenmann's until I begin that 14, that two month rigorous pre-special taping diet. Um, I'm just enjoying this weekend with your products and I, you are appreciated dear mama. Um, so I watched a lot of stuff and here's the other thing I'm realizing. It's a real direct correlation in terms of my voracious reading habits. Um, since this injury, they have ceased they have completely ceased because now my sister-in-law is calling me. What up with that? We're podcasting up in this bitch. Um, but my reading habits have dropped like 99% because I have committed myself over the last two weeks to catching gaining ground on all the streaming content I've been behind. So I, as you know, I watched Peacemaker. I reviewed several things. Tonight we're watching Drive My Car on HBO Max. Um, about uh, a Japanese widower uh, nominated for Best Picture. So that's a three-hour movie, so we're, we're blocking that out, and we're having Chinese food during the movie because we want to pretend to be culturally sensitive while instead being peak racism. Um, so we're going to have Chinese food during the Japanese movie to you know, create a, a theme to the night, and the theme is Ugly Americans. <laughs> Um, so, oh, 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 speaking of which, here's the text. Here's the text. We got the Entenmann's photo. Oh, shit. Hold on, guys. This is, I mean, this is, this is hot podcasting right now. Like you are witnessing diabetes history right now. Okay. Oh, that's good. Okay. We're going to get, we're definitely going to get the cake. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a, that, you know, the gold, the golden cake with the chocolate frosting. That's, that's a necessity. Um, and I want to see if we can get one other item, marble pound loaf. I don't know about that. If they had the fucking, you know, what's good guys, the, the, the chocolate chip pound cake, that's the shit. Um, and righteous has voted and her vote will be nullified because she wants Louisiana crunch cake. Are you out of your mind? My dad liked Louisiana crunch cake. Oh, you get the Entelman's Louisiana crunch cake over here. <laughs> that wasn't my dad. That was an ignorant Louisiana person. Um, <laughs> what, what, what is your vote? Hey, Louisiana crunch cake. Are you out of your mind? Are you out of your mind? Hold on. Get the crunch cake for you. And the golden cake with choco frosting, with African-American frosting, for me. For me. I mean, are you kidding me? She, she, are you kidding me? All that. We're talking classic entomans here, okay? And she goes, Louisiana crunch cake. What? It's not saying it's bad. Like I said, my dad liked the Louisiana crunch cake, but he wasn't going to fucking sit around and go, let's pass on all the first tier items. Are you kidding me? Um, Oh, wait, are those the fucking, wait a second, wait a second. Are those the apple puffs? 
Oh, those are cheese Danish, you fucking deceptive photo. You son of a gun. Oh, she's just going to get the golden cake. She doesn't want to create too much of a diabetic atmosphere. That's that's real. Real real profile and courage. Unbelievable. Anyway, but that is one of my Mount Rushmore Entenmann's items, the golden cake with the with the chocolate frosting. So that's it, guys. That's what we're getting. And uh, so we're going to have Chinese food and Entenmann's cakes to watch the Japanese movie. Um, and that was offensive. I keep forgetting I'm not doing the Trump voice. See, I get away with all the racist jokes by doing it via Trump's voice on Making Podcast Great Again, which you should be listening to if you're not, because... I'm even amazed at how little I want to do that podcast still, and yet I'm still, you know, just Kawhi Leonard style, able to deliver all-star performances week in and week out, despite having almost no apparent enthusiasm. So check that out. That's where I get away with all my racist jokes, much like a South Park character. I do them through the cartoonish character of Donald J. Trump. But um, we're watching Watch My Car, Drive My Car. Let me ride, whatever. Um, but I have been crushing content lately, and it feels good because I'm on a little bit of a hot streak in terms of liking things I'm watching. There's, there hasn't been a lot of, God damn it, I'm so mad I watch that shit right now. Uh, I'm halfway through season one of Jack Reach, Reacher is just the name, and uh, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. It's like, it's, it just it's just solid. It's not, tra- it's, it's, it's the same way I described the movie, the replacements. If you've never seen the replacements, it's one of my favorite sports movies. And my uncle really enjoyed it too. It was one of the many movies we, we shared in common enjoying, but it, it's a great sports movie in that it's not a legendary sports movie. Most people won't have it on any kind of list for, Oh, that's my favorite movie of all time. But what it was, was it was a, a movie that was aiming to be a B plus. It was not like we're going to make a great... They were like, we're going to deliver some solid laughs. No comedy genius here, but some solid laughs. A fun sports movie with some solid actors. And one of the most beautiful women I've ever seen in a movie. The, the, the cheerleader who dates Shane Falco, which is Keanu Reeves' character. Can anybody tell me like what else she's been in? Because, I mean, un- Unbelievable. Like super, just super beautiful, fun, pleasant actress that I was like, why isn't she a humongous star? But the replacements, it's just, it's trying to be a B plus and it, it, it's a B plus, but there's something exponentially good about a movie achieving its, into, its intended destination of like, we're going to give you a B plus. And when it's raining outside on an April afternoon and you have nothing to do and you see that it's on TNT, you're going to watch it and you're going to enjoy it and it's going to be fun. And that's it. And Reacher is kind of like that, like an action version of that, where it's like he's a big hulking Aryan nation looking dude, but he's got some decent comedy timing. It's pretty well written. The women look good, but they're not... They don't look good enough where you're like, I'm a piece of shit because I'm ogling these women. It's just like, well, thanks for having these nice looking ladies around, but without making it super intensely gross and prurient to use one of my Supreme Court law school type words. Um, But uh, I'm enjoying Reacher. It's just nice to be able to go, yeah, this is just solid. Like, it's, 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 I don't know if I would say it's better than Peacemaker. Peacemaker was very good. And, and John Cena is sort of an elite action comedy actor, really. But, um, but Pun- uh, Peacemaker was trying to do a lot. And it was mostly successful. Reacher is not trying to do a lot. And it's sort of like low maintenance, low, like, like as a viewer, it's pretty low maintenance, low energy effort on your part as the viewer, but it's good enough that you don't feel like a like a lazy sack of shit watching it. You're not like, oh, this is just like appealing to my fucking, I like violence and muscles and tits, bro. It's not appealing to like all that. So uh, I'm enjoying it. I'm halfway through, four episodes through, but 
the pick of the week, guys. I said it would only be one thing last week, but I think I have to give you another pick of the week. Pam and Tommy on Hulu. We just watched that in the span of from 8 p.m. In the span of 20 hours, we, we watched all eight episodes. Uh, I don't want to throw around the word great, but it's pretty close. Um, I think Lily James, who plays Pam Anderson, uh, they, first of all, should get a great, should get a makeup and hair award for the Emmys. You know, a lot of time that can go to like sci-fi shows or horror stuff, but they transformed her into Pam Anderson and she's great. Um, everybody's really good in it. Um, but I, I, as I've told my, my friend, Richard Marks, I think I can call him that buddy is buddy better. My social media friend, my buddy in real life. Um, I think Sebastian Stan looks like a 40 year old Richard Marks. Richard Marks is in his like late fifties now, but if you look at pictures of Richard Marks in his like early forties, Sebastian Stan looks like him. So as I'm watching him, I'm like, why is Richard Marks playing Tommy Lee? <laughs> That's kind of what I kept thinking. It's not that he doesn't deliver a very solid performance, but I was much more mesmerized by Lily James, like both how pretty she looked and like the the range of her performance and how I felt like she really I think just went was all in and it was just very everybody's good in it though it's there's a lot of good people in this uh in small parts and big parts um but I loved it um it's just I I was I binged it and it didn't feel like a chore I was like I want to keep watching it because I'm enjoying what they did with this um one thing I will say, because it really, it, it is, it is, we're doing a lot of the kind of 90s revisionist stuff. And I joked about this on Twitter. I don't know if everybody got the joke, but um, where basically Jay Leno has become the biggest villain in all these docuseries. Like any topic from the 90s, it's just let's go to the Jay Leno monologue. And like when you put dramatic music behind it and show like the main person crying you're like, wow, Jay Leno was such a piece of shit. But it's like, well, out of context, like he's a comedian doing topical stuff and The Tonight Show's fairly safe. Um, obviously, there's going to be stuff that doesn't age well, but it's like he has shown up in fucking the Monica Lewinsky FX series, which is on Hulu now. It's now streaming. I recommend that a little while ago. The the Just the that great sexual tension between Clive Owens, Bill Clinton, and Beanie Feldstein's Monica Lewinsky is just just great. Um, she has a great phone sex voice, like a phone sex voice, but like comforting. Like if you, if you want to have phone sex, but also feel like the person will listen to your problems, that's the Beanie Feldstein voice of Monica Lewinsky. Um, and then the, every Britney Spears thing has to have like Jay Leno jokes <laughs> in it. And now we have Pamela Anderson and it's like Jay Leno is featured in several episodes as like kind of one of the instrumental people in elevating the story. Um, but what I found that they do a very nuanced look at Pamela Anderson. It's, it's, she's the hero of it, obviously, which is why it's a, such a great role to have. Cause she's this, um, you know, it made me think like she, like in one scene, she's saying like Jane Fonda is her hero. Cause Jane Fonda started out as like this bombshell, um, and then became like an activist and an Oscar winner and a fitness goo, like a fitness mogul, and an activist again and has really and and by the way i know i'm making a lot of recommendations here but fuck it you know this is what you some of you listen to me you know i'm I'm a content consuming monster um there's a great documentary i think it's called jane in five parts or something but it's an hbo documentary they did a couple of years ago on jane fonda incredible legit like incredible documentary because it was it was so Oh God, I, I talked about it maybe on an er, the earlier iteration of the Righteous Brick podcast, but it is so, the Jane Fonda documentary is so good at showing all her pluses, how she's an icon and how she did all these things and how she's such an inspirational kind of human being. But at the same time, because of the era she's from, that even as a feminist icon, she was not controlled by men, but trying to live her life for the approval of men or the men in her life. And it was weird because she talked about her relationship with Ted Turner. She was married to Ted Turner. I think they were married, but they were together for a while. And she said like she loved him, but but they broke up because 
she just didn't feel, and it wasn't his fault, but that the way her mind, she was still growing as a person and that she didn't feel like fully independent, which is so crazy, but also has to be empowering or inspiring to hear her say that because as much as it might sound defeating to a woman to be like well if Jane Fonda can't even feel like a powerful strong independent woman what's the hope for it? but the fact that she was acknowledging it and able to see that that despite all these good things she'd done with her life that she still felt like she was not maybe her wholly herself just a very a really good sort of introspective documentary about an amazing person. But Pamela Anderson was saying, um, at least according to this Hulu series, Jane Fonda was like her hero. And I can see that, you know, Pamela Anderson started as a bombshell. But the the sad thing is, I think Marilyn Monroe is obviously much more of a, 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 a better example um, because, and our Marilyn Monroe's just keep getting shittier. I have a track on, God, I want to say... Maybe too big to fail. I think it's too big to fail. I really called out the Kardashians early. But on too big to fail, I think it was, I talked about how, you know, our Marilyn Monroe or our Elizabeth, I think I called her our Elizabeth Taylor is Kim Kardashian. It's like, that's how shitty we are. Like Elizabeth Taylor was like a natural beauty and Oscar winning actress. So what if she fucked a lot with her big tits and her perfume lines who cares because she was bringing other stuff to the table whereas now our elizabeth taylor is like devoid of all the qualities and we're just left with a a surgically enhanced uh whore is that (laughs) uh no i didn't mean that guys i didn't mean that she's a very empowered individual who's uh you know had as corrosive an effect on american pop culture and society um as i think donald trump had on society and political culture and i mean that i do actually believe that i think the kardashians um are uh, a societal uh, cultural plague um but what do i know uh but the point is this movie this series with Pam and Tom is so is so good. I think I, I highly recommend it. Very enjoyable, but very well done. And the one thing I found funny though about this whole narrative of like Pam Anderson being sort of like, you know, showing that even in the in the '90s when things were maybe making some progress, and she was obviously a wealthy a star. A, maybe a list is wrong to say, but in terms of pop culture, certainly an a list figure. And even then she's getting sort of like not as much respect at her work. They like kind of smile her to death instead of like empowering her and listening to her ideas, um, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, which made me also think of course of like Marilyn Monroe. And I was like, God, it must have, no wonder Marilyn Monroe went out the way she did. And I don't mean that flippantly. Like you see how Pam Anderson was getting treated back then. It's like Marilyn Monroe was, despite her success and status was, was clearly just, probably treated like a piece of shit by men because it didn't even matter. It wasn't like maybe there were some men who treated her right, but I'm sure most of them were like, I don't care that you're the hottest dame in Hollywood. I'm a man. Fuck you, whore. Like, you know, so like, like anyway, Pam Anderson, even though obviously it was a far cry from what Monroe probably had to deal with was still like not according to the series, not given her due respect and uh, from a lot of people in her life. That said, as much as I found the performance by Lily James to be Emmy-worthy and the show to be great and the narrative and the sort of exploration of, of Pamela Anderson as a more full human being, all I kept thinking to myself was her, her next boyfriend was Kid Rock. <laughs> uh, some of these lessons were not heated. Like, she literally went from Tommy Lee. She's like... Um, as part of my journey, uh, I'm going to date a shittier Tommy Lee, if that's okay. And I wanted the end of the series. I wanted an acknowledgement of that. I wanted her to show up to a bar looking hot or a party at the end of the last episode and have her tap a guy on a fur coat and say, hey, um, what's your name? And have some actor turn around and go, my name is Kid. And then that ends the series. And you're like, oh, for all that growth, uh, lessons were not learned. Uh, So, and then they're like, next year on Hulu, Kid Rock and Pam. (laughs) Um, And then he's just asking her how many times can he say the N-word on his debut album. And, you know, it goes goes on from there. Uh, So that's the pick of the week. 
Um, but I'm going to watch, uh, I still got a lot of shit to watch. Um, so, and licorice pizza, I'm holding off. I'm doing Chris Lambert's podcast on Wednesday, uh, which is going to be like the Oscar round table, the mundane festival. Um, but I'm holding off on licorice pizza until Tuesday night because it's still only available for purchase on, on, on demand. And I'm like, I don't need to purchase this movie. Um, I don't even know if I'll like it. But I'd like to wait until the last possible minute in case this week, you know, for Oscar push or whatever, they're like, all right, let's make it for rental. Because um, with my knee, we would have gone to see it in the theater, but for my knee. Uh, so we'll see. But I will be seeing that this week. Um, uh, and uh, like I said, drive my car tonight. But right now, uh, Pam and Tommy or Tommy and Pam, whatever, however they order it is, uh, I just thoroughly enjoyed the shit out of it. And is there anything else I've watched recently? And I'm also, um, I've decided to give Inventing Anna a chance because SNL did a sketch um, with uh, the blonde, the little blonde woman whose name escapes me right now, Chloe Fineman. They did a sketch with her and I was laughing at it even though I hadn't seen Inventing Anna and The Righteous Girlfriend was laughing too. And I was like, what is that? Is that? And she's like, oh, that's Inventing Anna. And I was like, you said I wouldn't like that. She's like, I don't know. I'm nervous to give you advice, like to, to tell you what you'd like. Because Righteous Girlfriend told me I, I should keep watching The White Lotus on HBO. I didn't enjoy The White Lotus. It was like, okay. But I, I would have much rather have been watching The Peacemaker on my long train ride home from the West Coast. Um, but the, the, the blemish on her record forever has been when she started, I told her, uh, you watch, there was obviously so much stuff I was watching, like everybody on earth. And I said, well, you watch big little lies and you let me know if it's good. And if I'll just take your recommendation, you know me. And she said to me, I don't think you'd like big little lies as she watched. And I go, okay, well, it's just a, a thing I can leave off of my, uh, and she just opened the door. She heard uh, big little lies and she knows this story very well. Um, but she, uh, she said, the, I don't think you'd like Big Little Lies. And I go, okay. And I trusted her. I trusted her. And then months later, Emmy nominations come out. And Big Little Lies is nominated for everything. Like everything in the limited series category. I go, huh, huh, that's not my cup of tea. People are, you know me. I think people are stupid. So, if, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, they probably just nominate because they're fucking dumb. These fucking dummies nominating bullshit, dumb motherfuckers. That's how I get through my day. I uh, just, you know, think that's a long, long, long history of thought process like that. Um, but then the day of the Emmys, I'm in midtown Manhattan. I'm going, I got nothing to do today. I don't know. Should I try this Big Little Lies? So at like 10.30 a.m., I start watching the first episode of Big Little Lies. I believe the season, first season was seven hour long episodes. Well, guess what I finished by 7 p.m. that night before the Emmys? Big Little Lies. Only the best show on TV that year. My goodness. And from then on, I think it scarred uh, the relationship because now she's afraid to, uh, to make recommendations. But truth is, um, I don't know. I don't think Inventing Anna, nobody's saying it's as good as Big Little Lies. But I, when I watched that, that blonde girl from Ozark, woman, excuse me, woman, when I watched that blonde woman from Ozark just talking and going, yo, look, pa, I started laughing. And I was like, that's like the woman on SNL. And I was like, I want to watch this now. I feel like I might enjoy it. And uh, we'll see. And by the way, uh, the blonde woman from Ozark, the Anna in Inventing Anna from Riverdale, where I'm from, and uh, her sister was at the dentist the last time I was at the dentist. So um, that's a pretty, it's a pretty star-studded dentist office in Riverdale. Me and the sister of, you look pa. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. What's his name in, uh, what's his name in Ozark? Jason Bateman. Ba um, well, now I'm going to get stuck on this. Oh, I was going to say Walter. It's not Walter. It's not Barry, but it's, uh, Marty. There it is. Marty. Um, you don't know fucking shit, Marty. <laughs> And then uh, the impression I've been wanting to work on is my Laura Linney. It's terrible, but I, I think it captures her. 
her like Broadway theatrical, oh, Marty. Oh. It's almost like Vera de Milo from In Living Color. That's what I think of when I hear it, when, when Laura Lenny's got it very dramatic. And then, you know, Jason Bateman's like, uh, yeah, okay, well, no, right? And that's what I love about Jason Bateman is that you can insert him into a an Emmy-winning comedy or an Emmy-winning drama, and he just has to go Jason Bateman, and it fits. He's like that. He's like the universal blood donor, but for acting. You just plug him in, and he's valuable because you can just put Jason Bateman doing Jason Bateman into any project, and it will be funny or it will be dramatic, and he doesn't have to change anything. And I love it. Whereas Laura Linney really, I think, ups the drum. Oh, Marty, that's what you think, Marty. And, you know, she sounds like she could be, this is a callback to an oldie but goodie. When I watch Bates Motel, a show that I would definitely recommend the first four seasons. Like a lot of shows, it kind of ended not as well as I had hoped. But the first four seasons of Bates Motel are excellent. And I think they're all available on Peacock. Um... But that was my impression. She sounds like the feminine version of my impression of uh, that guy who played young. Um, uh, wow. How am I not remembering? Norman Bates. That's what you think, mother. <laughs> that, like, imagine. Okay, now we're on a roll, guys. Do you see the positivity this week? It's almost like the oxy is working. But the... Um, I would, in, Vera Farmiga, by the way, was phenomenal as, as phenomenal. Oh, shut up, Norman. I, I, I loved her as Norma Bates. Loved her. But for the purposes of this joke, I would love it if Laura Linney were playing Norman Bates' mother because you'd be like, I don't know what you're talking about, mother. Well, see, you don't know what I'm talking about, Norman. I don't know what you're talking about, mother. You don't know. You don't know. I don't know, mother. I don't know what you're talking about. And scene. <laughs> Guys, some of you may be wondering what the fuck I'm talking about, but hopefully my Bates Motel Laura Linney fans in the audience are laughing hysterically right now. Anyway, that, God, that, I, I'm so glad I remembered that because that, like a lot of things when I'm walking or just thinking or crying, bits bits are always coming into my head and i i i thought about the 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 laura linney and but in the moment i i it was nice to remember the norman bates as well so there it is bates motel reboot starring whatever freddie highmore and laura linney i don't know what you're talking about she's very nice to me mother you think she's very nice norman oh oh, oh, oh. you've got another thing marty yeah well okay we're not doing that that was a Bates Motel Ozark crossover episode that I just gave you a sneak preview of. Anywho, Tom and Pammy, Pammy and Tom, Pammy and Pam, Pam and Tom, Tom and Pammy, <laughs> Pam and Tommy. That's it. Uh, excellent. Loved it. Um, but yes, dating Kid Rock after sort of negates a lot of the lessons and admiration from the movie because it's just like, oh, so you learn nothing. You learn nothing. You just went to Kid Rock. That's, that's, that's not what you were supposed to do if you were really this more substantive person. But anyway, love the series. Good luck to Lily James. I hope she wins the Emmy for limited series. Um, now, uh, issue with Boston. This is your portion of the show that is classic. We're calling this one classic JL moment. <laughs> so as some of you know, who listened to this, I had a kick-ass show, uh, in Boston, July, I want to say July 26th. It was a Monday, not the greatest time for comedy, but the fans showed up and showed out. We had a great 150, 150 people on a Monday. The venue was pleased. The crowd was pleased. I was pleased. And then it took me, I started emailing them in August about a follow-up show in spring of 2022. And for four months, I emailed, and then I emailed, uh, and, and one of the emails early said, oh, Michael so-and-so, who was my contact originally, who was very prompt, very good at getting back to me. So you kind of assume that as par for the course for the business, but he left. He left like a month. I guess he figured after my show, he was just like, that's like a walk-off home run. I want to end my career at City Winery on that, because that, it's not going to get better than J.L. Covan on a Monday night. And 
so for four months, I was emailing the venue and then I start the, the new contact person they claimed as well as anybody else in the club because I wasn't getting replies. And I was like, how is this happening? How do I have a kick-ass show by any measure and I can't even get a reply? Hey, reply to me and say, no, we, we, we don't want you back. But no reply after, after a legitimately successful show, like a show that outgrossed a lot of their small room stand-up comedy shows on Fridays and Saturdays. So finally, the woman gets back to me. She's like, oh, I'm sorry about this. And then we, we arrange in, I think, December for a July show. But I'm going to get a Thursday, Friday. Great. In the small room, but it, uh, a potential bigger haul of money and obviously more opportunity to hang out in Boston and maybe make a weekend of it instead of just like a wham, bam, fuck you, ma'am kind of one-nighter. Um, and I know a lot of people in Boston saying it's a good city. So, you know, you, once again, working vacation. And so we agree. I get an email confirming. We'll go, and, you know, as we get closer to the show, which I figured would be like spring, beginning of spring is a good time to get it up on the website and start promoting. Uh, she said, yeah, we'll hammer it. We'll, we'll like get the official contract signed, but you're confirmed for those dates. So this week I email City Winery Boston and say, hey, just want to, hey, lady, just want to, uh, you know, get that in writing now. And say, and I said to her, I was like, uh, you know what, I'm actually thinking because I have no faith in my, I didn't write this, but I thought this. I was like, I have no faith in my comedy career or even the great fans of Boston. So let's let's dump the Thursday show. Let's just do the two Friday shows. I'd rather sell those two out, um, you know, and maybe instead of three days in Boston, just do two. Save a little money. And uh, I get an email back. That woman's left. So now there's a new contact. And if you were listening to the story, you realize it took me four months to get a reply from the new contact the last time there was a new contact. But if it takes me four months this time, that's when my show is. <laughs> so uh, in five days so far, I haven't gotten a reply from City Winery, even though I was replying to an email confirming me for a show. So I have, I have confirmation from the venue of my show. So it doesn't seem like a crazy thing, but crazy things happen in my comedy career. Always crazy negative. But um, so Boston, uh, July 15th, Friday, hopefully, but I will keep you posted. Um, but that's obviously very frustrating for me um, because it's just it throws into doubt a thing that was not in doubt. Like that's there is nothing. Nothing is certain in my comedy career, even certainties. <laughs> that's that's. That's the classic JL move. Oh, yeah, well, no, we've got a confirmation from the venue. Oh, what that? They, they fired that person or that person left. Again, another person in that position left. So I have to start this process all over again with some stranger who hopefully sees my email before July. Anywho, um, I should be headed down to D.C., the D.C. area in April or early May. Um, those shows are still being figured out, but like for some good warm-up shows for the uh, special taping on May 14th. Um, I already said Buffalo, April 26th, and I've emailed some venues, um, just hoping to get some, some spots. But, you know, as, uh, as I've said repeatedly, um, and I don't feel as bad about it now because uh, I'm still feeling a slight buzz from the oxy. But as I've said, um, you know, this career that I've attempted to put together and, and by any objective measure have had success and it's still going to come down to a couple of moonshots again. Uh, does Billions write me in for season seven? Um, does the special set the world on fire the way I hope it does? And those are both lottery ticket sort of hopes. But I know, I know, I know the special is going to be great. So hopefully you get your tickets to that. And uh, one other, one other thing I was going to mention, and I just fucking forgot it. Oh man, the uh, the early onset is really starting to hurt. Um, oh yeah, a little, a little important note um, that as as diehard fans of mine, I think we should all commemorate. We are coming up uh, in twelve days from this recording. It will be March twenty fourth. 2022, the two-year anniversary of the Trump Easter video that miraculously, magically reversed the course of my career and got it to a place that it had never been, that I hope to achieve again and hope to keep it sustained in other ways, whether it be acting or stand-up or, or whatever. But 
after two years of, uh, and I wrote this to my friend John, but after two years, I really didn't think I'd be going back to the office. And I don't mean that as like, we're going to work remotely. I just figured once by the time things were settled back and normal, my career would be in a place where I wouldn't have to go back, that I could just say, thank you for hiring me. Um, thank you for, for the money and the benefits. But now my dream is, is too, too close that I, I don't, I don't need this job. And in fact, this job will impede my progress. I really thought based on everything I've done, everywhere I've been written up, the things I've accomplished, the money I've made, I thought all those things would add up to putting me in a position where I was like, yeah, that's, that's, I got to go all in, but and I'm not going to rehash every complaint I've had, but obviously there is a sort of perfect storm of ignored by talent representation, ignored, not passed over, like ignored, never, never communicated with at all. There's the social media uh, angle to this. Um, you know, I lived by the Twitter algorithm and I died by it basically without understanding why. Um, and so all those things have put my comedy career in a much more uncertain position. I made it onto billions. I've done all these things that I'm very proud of. And I'm, I'm happy you guys have been either helping me to get some of these achievements or just appreciating them. Um, and, and, and being a fan of some or all of them. But I really didn't think that two years later, you know, I was, I was talking about like, what if I get a special? What if I, you know, when I get repped, I, maybe I'll have a tour. Maybe somebody will hook me up with, you know, I'll finally get to be like touring the A clubs and, and none of, none of, none of the more substantive things I wanted have, have, has happened. So I, the reason I bring that up is that end of March, beginning of April, I'm going to have to be going back into the office. Now it's not going to be five days a week, but it's going to be three, three to four is what they're aiming for. So it'll be at least three and it's not the end of the world. But it's just weird to be saying, wow, two years later, after all that, in some ways, it's like it never happened. And I look forward to sort of, I look forward to a commute. It's built in reading time. I get out of my house, make me appreciate my house. It'll turn, it'll turn my apartment back into a home that rather than just a permanent live, work, play station. So there's, there's benefits, there's psychological benefits, I think there's life benefits, you know, and, and I can hang out with some, some city friends on, on a weeknight or a Friday night, cause I'll already be in there and it won't be some sort of like, I got to leave and, you know, just conveniences and, and, and other things. And, and there'll be, there are definitely some positives, but I really didn't think I'd be going back. I really, and I, I just didn't, and I should have had a special released already. And then I'd be able to know, I'd be able, I'd know either way I could say, Oh, the special's out and it's fucking, I got written up by the times and, 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 uh, you know, an agent contacted me and, and, and wants me to, to pitch a second special somebody and they want to get me on tour. Like I thought some or all of those things would happen because when you become a famous comedian for your comedy and you've got the chops and there's no, there's no holes in your game, you just assume you make stupid assumptions like that entertainment is has some elements of rational logic to them but not not when it comes to me so going back into the office even if for three days a week or four days a week it's it's obviously going to hinder you know some of those rapid fire response videos that i would do or, or my ability to engage on social media as much and maybe i won't need that stuff as much but it's i just didn't it's it's really crazy to think after all this, I'm just putting on the business casual again and going back into the office. And, and I know like this, trust me, there's no shame in my game. Like I'm, I'm more honest about my comedy career than anybody. Like I've had more success than a lot of people who talk like they're bigger successes than me. But you all know, if you listen to this, that I want career security not meaning, oh, I'm, I'm locked into a 10-year contract for a million dollars a year. There, there's nothing like that in comedy. But I'm just saying, oh, I'm touring. I'm selling tickets. I have a deal. I have an agent who's working to get me acting gigs, commercial gigs, voiceover gigs, all the things that I could conceivably do and do well and that I've literally showcased and become well-known for, voices. Now a little bit of acting. I have a, a tremendous amount of sketches where I write and act. And my stand-up speaks for itself. 
and it will hopefully speak loudest with half blackface. But to be going back in the office feels like a like a like a really like a sad epilogue to this two year journey that, as I said, many of you made possible. Um, and I'm very appreciative. But it's just to be going back to to work like in some ways like this didn't happen is really disheartening. But like I said, I still have I still have some cards to play and I'm going to play them and I'm going to hope for the best, prepare for the worst and uh you know, we'll see. But um there might be obviously and and what what bothers me about that is as I as I ran, as I I will most likely launch, I think it makes sense now to to say, given my knee, given my time constraints, I am setting a hard goal of April 23rd or April 24th is my birthday. And I'm setting a hard goal to launch JL Max Plus Prime around there. Maybe Sunday is not the best day on the algorithm to launch it, but, but, you know, give or take three days from my birthday to launch it then. Because that'll give me enough time to make some content. But that also means now going into the office makes it more likely that like, okay, so now my Saturdays will be the only day that me and the righteous girlfriend are off together. And I'm going to have to tell her a couple times a week, okay, we're filming three different videos today. So let's set this up and do that. And that's, that's the part, if you've been listening to this podcast long enough, that's one of those things that really drove me to sort of want to quit comedy. And I think I may have talked about this on one of the earliest episodes of this iteration. Like, right, like I restarted this podcast, I think, two months before, two or three months before the Trump video blew up. And I think one of the things I kept talking about was like, you keep sacrificing your personal life. If you're sing, if you're unattached and you don't, you can make those choices. But you, when you have an, a, an attachment long enough, you you feel an obligation to the other person. It's easy for somebody on the outside to go, well, you know, you know, you got to live for you, do you? And like, they got to understand that you're passionate. It's like, yeah, but I'm also, there's, there's other things to life than what you do. And, and if like, we only have Saturdays together, it's a big, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a, not a big sacrifice, but it's a sacrifice to be like, yeah, that's the day where we see a movie and have dinner. And you also help me with four hours of content. Like, what is that? And it's one thing if like that content is now paying big bucks and, 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 but, but if it's that, if that's your limited free time together and it's, it's not paying you big bucks, it's more like you're trying to keep afloat at the same level until you can get some other big break. That's, that's a recipe I think for disaster. And I've seen it in my own life. So that's, I, I, that's frustrating. And I think, uh, you know, pour one out, pour out a glass of milk for Charles Entman and for me. Um, at the, you know, not the loss of my free time and the loss, but, but, you know, that rapid response stuff I do where it's like, oh man, he breaking news and jail had the video out, you know, half hour later, that's the, Hey cookie, that stuff's gonna take a, I think a step back. And that's, that's, I think that's a little unfortunate for all of us, but for me, cause it's like, I just didn't think I'd be at, at this point. I didn't think I'd be going back. You know, so that's, that's what's frustrating. You can, I, I assume you can appreciate that. So I uh, just wanted to share that with you, but I think this was overall a pretty upbeat episode. You can't go through a whole righteous prick episode and have it be totally upbeat. But I think we, I think we set a good tone. You got some recommendations, you got some blah, blah, blah. So now it's time for some Chinese food, a Japanese movie and some Entenmann's cake. So um, I'm going to post this up now. You enjoy it when you want, when we lose daylight savings time. But uh, yeah, that's it. Thank you for listening. Thank you as always for being uh, uh, fans. Um, and there's nothing you really have to do to support the show, but for listening. Um, if you haven't, maybe give five stars on Apple podcasts. Uh, just I, I don't think I'll get enough reviews for it to boost in the algorithm, but it feels good when you see a few people posting that they like it. Um, and I guess that's it. So I'm trying to think, do I have anything to announce this week or anything coming up? Um, I already told you to listen to Making Podcasts Great Again. A lot of Patreon content going up for that. Um, I am finally writing some sketches this weekend, just between us, uh, the Joel Osteen Exorcist is going to be the first sketch I try to make um, in April 
uh, or May when I start. You know, and, and the good thing is for you newer fans who've maybe watched my older sketches that weren't just me in my apartment doing solo videos, the good thing is um, about getting back into the world is that uh, even though my budget will be a little tighter right now, um, collaborating and making, you know, sketches like I used to. So so you'll more of an SNL feel and less of a guy alone in a bunker feel. So a lot of stuff to look forward to. Subs subscribe to my YouTube channels if you haven't yet. Give a five stars on Apple. And uh, I don't know, tell a friend. If you have, if you like a video of mine or an album or a, um, you want a cameo or, or whatever, all you know, a lot of stuff if you, if you feel like you want to support what I do. Um, but uh, the biggest thing, obviously, is the special on May 14th. Get your tickets. And uh, if you're anywhere near Buffalo, please come to that show on April 26th. So thank you, guys. Um, hope you have uh, a good rest of the weekend or a good week, depending on when you listen to this. And I will see you next Tuesday. Right